everyone and welcome to Myths, Heresies, and Hearsay, Episode 11, Angels in the Outfield. As promised, I plan to recommend a book each episode, one that is both relative to the narrative and fascinating to read. This week's recommendation is Birthright by Timothy Alberino. Alberino is a very interesting individual. If they ever did a remake of the Raiders of the Lost Ark, he would be my choice to play Indiana Jones. He's a young guy who traipses through jungles and other desolate places, and yes, searches for relics and stuff. In his book, Birthright, Tim has a most interesting perspective on the rest of the universe. Uncovering a universe that we hadn't really thought of before. One that is full of life and more diverse than we had imagined. With logical insights, Tim points to Bible verses such as Job 38.4, when God asks Job, Where were you when I created the earth? And the angels rejoiced at the creation. It does make sense that those angelic beings weren't just created right then and there so that they could do the rejoicing. But they must have been around for eons. And indeed, our elder siblings of the human race. He goes further by describing a universe as a kingdom that would have had to have had some kind of government infrastructure and all that goes along with that. I can't do justice here as this is just a taste of how he puts this all together. So speaking of angelic beings, let's talk angels. First of all, the term angels is an inexact term in that the word angel just means a messenger. A general might need to get a message to another general for planning purposes. He would then call for an angelus to deliver this message. This seems to make sense since often when an angel appears, it is for just this purpose. The most famous of these messengers or angels was, of course, Gabriel, more than once delivering a message to a human for one reason or another. So I will henceforth refer to these beings simply as angelic beings and leave it at that. I had mentioned back in episode one that there are many classes and levels of angelic beings. So they all may not have taken human form. I did mention in that episode that the seraphim class of angelic beings may have been reptilian in appearance. I had also mentioned in episode 8, the one entitled Conan the Barbarian, when I related how I actually found time to read through the Bible and, as the endeavor had just begun, ran into the weirdest chapter in the Bible that I have read to date. Since we are on the subject of angels, Let's readdress that chapter because it's a chapter that most don't know what to do with. It's too weird. It couldn't possibly mean what it sounds like it means, 
or something must have been lost in the translation. So most of us just continue to read on. So at the risk of me sounding like I'm some kind of expert, let me read this chapter. I'll read it so that no one can accuse me of making it up because it sounds like something that had been made up by somebody. So chapter 6 goes like this. And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair. Now fair was a word used to describe beauty, not even-handedness or anything like that. You see it a lot in this book. And they took them as wives of anyone they chose. Skipping to verse 4, And there were giants on the earth in those days, and also after, that when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bare them children, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. Okay, that couldn't possibly mean what it sounded like, could it? So just skip through it and just keep on reading. No, 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 I've already done that once. So what do we do with this? Well, let's go back to some original Hebrew to see what the sons of God means. The term is Venai Elohim. That term I have learned is always used in the scripture for an angelic being. Without exception, I'm told. Okay, for the sake of argument, what else could it mean? It is interesting to note that the ancient Hebrews and the early Christians always took for granted that the sons of God were angelic beings. Around 400 AD, there was a brilliant biblical scholar and theologian, Augustine of Hippo, later to be known as St. Augustine who did come up with another explanation. He postulates that these sons of God were actually the line of Seth. Seth being the son of Adam. As we know, Cain killed his brother Abel, and Seth was seen as the replacement for Abel. I bring up Cain because the term daughters of men is what our scholar believes are, in fact, the daughters of Cain. On the surface, this seems to make a lot more sense and is not nearly as weird. Yeah, we can get a lot more comfortable with this as an explanation. I just have a few questions. Were the daughters of Seth really so unattractive that the sons of Seth had to go slumming with the daughters of Cain? I skipped verse 3 and I'm now wondering if I should not have. Verse 3 describes how angry God was about all of this and seems to have indicated that maybe a flood was needed. But there was no prohibition for the lines of Seth and the line of Cain to cohabitate. That only came later with the Israelites. But the big question for me is that why when the lines of Seth and Cain intermingled were their offspring giants? men of renown, i.e. warrior heroes.
Nowhere are the line of Seth referred to as a godly line, i.e. sons of God. If they were, I would think there would have been more of them saved from the flood. So they must have not been all that. And again, there is that pesky term, Benai Elohim, which has always been used to describe angelic beings. Most likely, this Augustine favored the line of Seth thing because the angelic thing was so weird, too weird for anyone to take him seriously. At the time, the pagan religions were trying to make a comeback, and this chapter was used to discredit the Bible. I can't say I don't blame Augustine, but I do understand his position. We all have a same-as-it-ever-was mindset, and it is hard to imagine a time or place when things were very different to what we consider normal. For example, the weather patterns before the global flood would have been vastly different from what we think of as same as it ever was. Did I say different? Mind-blowingly different. I'll have to get into that sometime, but for now, what does all this mean? Let me draw your attention, if I may, to the podcast cover page. I didn't pick it for any other reason than it looked cool and probably fit well into a podcast called Myth, Heresy, and Hearsay. So let's look a little closer. It looks like something painted in the late Middle Ages. Art in those days had to tell a story more than just a snapshot in time like we're used to today. You may not have noticed, so take a look. It depicts a guy, big and strong. He has a halo. So he may be divine, but probably angelic. He's in the sky, and is he descending? Or is he falling? There is a difference. There is wind blowing through the cloak that he is wearing. From that, you get that he is, in fact, falling to earth. This is art about an angel in the fallen realm. These are the guys we're focusing on for this chapter. So if Timothy Alberino's take on all this has any legs, and the angelic beings are our elder sibling race, these are the black sheeps in the family you really wouldn't want to spend any time with at Christmas dinner. When the angels rejoiced at the creation of the earth, Many in this crowd were the same guys. You can well imagine their reaction when God told them, Oh, by the way, these humans are going to be co-heirs with me at some point. You can also imagine there would have been some factions that would have said, Oh, hell no. Even the elder siblings that remained true and did not fall might have been saying, uh, You know, God, uh, these humans are small. I mean real small. Not just small, but they're weak. They lack any moral character. They are a backbiting bunch that will probably kill their own brothers when they get the chance. But okay, if this is how you want it, we're in. So I mean, what are you going to do, right? If the universe is that diverse, 
does this mean there is some federation of planets out there with Romulans that don't like us and we're just waiting for the Vulcans to show up and befriend us? I think it would be more complicated than that. But if it were anything like that, we would be in disputed galactic territory and we would be waiting to be liberated. Kind of like the French in World War II when the Allies landed at Normandy, the war was pretty much won, but the fighting went on for a while. And I admit that's a rather clumsy comparison. As I said, I'm sure it would be more complicated than that. Well, this episode had it all. Plenty of myth, heresy, and hearsay. As I said, this has to be the weirdest chapter in a sometimes really weird book. Take a look for yourself. See what you think. Thanks for listening. Keep the emails coming. Myth, heresies, and hearsay at gmail.com. I can be heard on Spotify. Have a great week.